Hey, do you want to learn more about the future of working from home? Well, how about hearing from leaders of some of the world's top companies and how they're adapting to the new normal? Another amazing podcast called Secret Leaders, which I highly recommend you check out, is back uh, with their sixth season. And uh, it's hosted by a guy called Dan Murray-Serta, who himself is a founder um, running a business called Heights. Um, But he's going to be joined by world-class business leaders, many of whom are notoriously hard to pin down. So these are interviews you're not going to hear anywhere else. Um, And some of the people you'll hear on this series, just to give you an idea of it, although... The back catalogue is amazing, so do go back. This, um, As I say, this is season six, so there's loads of good stuff to check out. Uh, but some from this series that are coming up are the author of Atomic Habits, which is a book by James Clear, all about productivity hacks, so really relevant for us working from homers. Uh, philosopher Alan de Botton, um, the founder of Just Giving, Anne-Marie Hubie, who's got some amazing stories to share, and a little-known character, John Cleese, who uh, joins them to talk about creativity, which is just an amazing episode, so you should definitely check that out so yeah really cool stories from business leaders who are kind of paving the way of the new normal and what our work life is going to look like um, from some really cool companies so definitely check out secret leaders and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast anyway on with the show hey guys today we're back for another conversation between harry and trevor lorbeer this one's all about productivity about how to get things started how to keep that momentum going and how to just get stuff done. On with the show. What role does momentum play, do you think, in in productivity in general? And what does it mean in this context? I think what momentum does is it lowers the activation energy for you to, to start doing work, especially work that you're going to resist doing. A lot of times momentum is talked in relation to habits. So there's the Jerry Seinfeld uh, method of creating an X on the calendar every single day that you do a habit and don't break the chain. That's a way of creating this momentum and creating the psychological momentum that I need to keep kind of keep going. But there's other ways to create momentum as well that kind of get you moving and getting you doing things. And then through that process of doing, you can figure out where you want to go next and make sure that like it reduces your procrastination and distraction. It's harder to get distracted if you're moving forward. And so um, just to give you one technique around momentum, oftentimes what people struggle with is starting. And I've developed a kind of three-phase process for starting things, which is start haphazardly, develop a rhythm, then become strategic. And what that means is just start doing anything, just random stuff, particularly when you're trying to learn something new just to kind of get the lay of the landscape, understand how it works. So say you want to start a new podcast, you want to write a new book, whatever, start just doing it. Don't do it on any regular, don't try to do it on any regular schedule. Don't try to like have a strategy to it. Just start learning the mechanics of how it works. Once you get that down, start developing a rhythm. So start doing it once a week on Mondays, do it on a regular basis. So that way now you've kind of set your speed. So now you've got, you've built your momentum by going haphazardly. Now you've set your speed with doing it regularly. And then at that point, you can step back and say, okay, where exactly do I want to now go with this now that I've got speed? And then you pick your direction and that's where the strategy comes into play. Now you say, okay, I really want to be targeting this audience or I really want to be heading in this direction for this project. And so that that process of uh, start haphazardly, create a rhythm, and then develop a strategy 
kind of help you build that kind of momentum for things that you're just starting out with. Yeah, I think that's really good advice and really interesting because it's actually I see the same thing play out on a on a smaller level, you know, within literally the context of one task. So again, writing a blog post, that's something I do every now and again. It's so hard to start, right? You've got this target, okay, I want to try and write 2000 words for this post. And so I found and many other people that I speak to say exactly this, just start writing anything. Doesn't matter if it's complete crap but just get started. And then as you start going, then you sort of develop this bit of momentum and you can start to get it. And then you come back at the end and do that kind of analytical piece and say, okay, cool. Is this structured in the right way? What needs to be rewritten and all the rest of it? And it's just the the act of getting started that kind of gets the whole process going. Um, and I guess what you're talking about is is that just kind of stretched out over a longer period and a, you know, a larger scale project. Yeah, it's it's a more strategic way of doing it. There's there's also like some other techniques for if you want to get started, like you're you're dealing with procrastination, and that is you're not work you don't want to work on the project. So what you do is you just do five minutes, and you commit to only doing five minutes, and then you stop and you go do something else, and this creates this compulsion in your body and your brain to finish the task. So one of a couple keys to making that work right is one, schedule just five or 10 minutes, make it short. So that way it's easy to kind of beat that procrastination. Then do something so you don't necessarily lose the context. So when we're talking about thinking modes and, and brain context, there's also this concept of different types of activities. So often we say multitasking is bad. And multitasking is bad if you're using the same parts of your brain for both tasks. But if you're using different parts, there, there is going to be a slight degradation, but not as much. So a classic one is doing a physical activity while you're doing a mental activity, right? They're both using your brain. So you can be emptying the dishwasher and thinking through what you might want to write. You can go on a run. You can go on a walk. All these things that like physical activities suddenly let you do the mental process or vice versa. So if you do this technique and you do the five minute stuff, you write for five minutes, take a break, go do something physical, go empty the dishwasher, take a walk, whatever, come back and you're going to be a lot more energized with a lot more thoughts to be able to then plow through stuff. I love all of that. We've talked about all sorts of things covering loads of different aspects of productivity, but what, where would be like the place to start? If you're just like from scratch, you're at ground zero, you know, what small actions can we take to sort of start to build towards a, a slightly more kind of healthy or productive way to manage the work we have to do? Yeah. I think practicing being deliberate in what you're doing. So taking time to actually plan your day, however that means to you. Um, like I said, I usually recommend people start with just creating a commitment list, a daily commitment list. So they look at their master task list and copy that over to a daily commitment list so they can stay focused. They kind of get that. But also being clear on what work-life balance you want like, and how do you like to structure your day. So different people, some people like a segregated work day where they start at nine, they do their work, they finish at five, and then they're personal side. Some people like an integrated workday where they're interweaving their personal and their um, professional work. Being clear on what works well for you is key. And, and both are okay. Like it's, I think too often we look at the people who are like working at 10 o'clock at night and go, oh my God, you're working at 10 o'clock at night. 
But if they're making that deliberate choice to have an integrated workday, that allows them to have time throughout the day to connect with their family, maybe if their family is also working from home, go out and do chores during the day or exercise. And so first being very deliberate about what you want, being deliberate about what you're going to do. And then the third one is being deliberate about how you're allocating your time across that day. And actually, I should mention with that allocation is when you're building that, when you build your daily commitment list, don't just include your tasks, include your appointments and include everything that takes up time in your day. Write down lunch, write down exercise, write down everything that you're going to be doing. So that way you do it. And that also gives you more opportunities to cross things off your list, which will create those dopamine hits, which will give you more motivation to do more stuff. And you'll look at the end of your day. If you have a list of like, you know, 20 things and like 15 of them are crossed off, it doesn't really matter that one of those things was lunch. It still feels like you accomplished a lot more than if you only have three things. Hey, that's it for today's show. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe because we'll be back with new content every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. See you then.